0: around the house. Hey guys, it's Eric G from around the house. Today I'm taking a much deserved break, a little R and R. Now here's the fun part. We've got a great conversation here with Matt Whitbeck from Whitbeck construction. You might've seen him on this old house as a contractor in a previous season, but we talk everything about high performance homes and working with the guys over there. You're not going to want to miss this one. It's great. For more information, head over to around the You can find out more about the show. Now, let's go start a great episode here that you might have missed with Matt Whitbeck and Whitbeck Construction. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you coming. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House Show. This is where we talk everything about your home every single week. Thanks for joining us today. I don't know why this is the first time he's being on the show, but Matt Whitbeck, Whitbeck Construction. Welcome to Around the House, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate it. This is great, man. I mean, you and I go way back from sharing stages to even watching you film those Lowe's commercial pieces, kind of, that were those education pieces with my buddy Ty.
1: Yeah, yeah. has a good hookup. Ty's awesome. Got to come out and see you guys on the West Coast and do a little bit of touring out
0: there. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. And then, Jeesh. Got to see you, your mug on the TV all this last year with uh, you being the official contractor for this old house project.
1: Yeah, we got to do season 43 uh, with this old house, Saratoga Springs, which uh, was was really neat because I grew up watching this old house, uh, you know, lived on the end of a dead on road in the middle of nowhere. And we had like the funky, <laughs> crazy giant antenna. So we had like four stations and one of them was PBS. And, and that was the jam, man. I loved it.
0: Dude, same. That's, I think I would not be doing what I'm doing without that show. And, uh, I've awkwardly told Kevin and everybody else on that show the same thing because they're, you know, one, it's just real. It's just so real. And, you know, it's honest, which I love. What was the experience for you going through that, man? Let's dive into that because that's got to be some hoops to jump through to begin with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit of filming experience doing a little of this and that. I did do a couple of commercials and some, um, you know, video work with a YouTube series with Lowe's called Building Science, which was really cool. So I had at least a little bit of experience with working on camera. Um, but I didn't know what to expect because I'd seen some various things between doing like a, a simple small YouTube show to doing some commercials. You see various things between audio and video. Um, I did work with one professional actor doing some commercials, which was really neat to later on turn on a television and see him on like an actual movie. And I'm like, Holy cow. I know that guy. <laughs> um, so cool. I mean, you don't quite know what to expect when you get into something that's supposed to be reality TV, because you hear all kinds of crazy stuff about what's scripted, what isn't. And one of the, um, heads of the, um, film group when we were doing the low stuff, you know, he does a whole bunch of, um, reality TV stuff, like one of the race car shows that's on mm-hmm. and, um, so he was giving me some of that stuff, you know, telling me about what happened. So I, I didn't know what to expect. And when I got into it, like you said, it's real. It, it's actually happening. We're building the house. They're coming in. It's a lot of, um, you know, the various professional members of their staff coming in to do interviews with all of our trade partners. And it's, it was great. It was refreshing to find out that what I hoped and thought it might be was as authentic as it really was.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Growing up, I always thought the show was different. But now that I've, you know, been in the in this industry for about 30 years now, I start to think of it different as it's not this old house building a house. They're coming on, for instance, to whip back construction and almost reporting on the progress. Is that accurate? Yeah,
1: that is pretty accurate. I mean, Tom Silva owns a contracting company with his brother. Mm-hmm. So they do a lot of contracting for this old house. So there is a bit of it where it's kind of like a lot of the members of this old house are working on a house. So they work on projects kind of exclusively. Well, I shouldn't say exclusively, but a lot of the projects they work on are being filmed for this old house in some capacity. If it's ask or this old house or, you know, even for like small clips. But um, when they come on, yeah, they're they're kind of acting um, more in the reporting aspect of things so they come on and they're sort of interviewing people and a lot of what they do and I I love this about what they do is they're really trying to shed a good light on the professional contractors what their their real day-to-day grind is and the things that they're bringing to the table that are important or interesting uh, that most people want to get that kind of behind the scenes view if they didn't have that show of seeing how these contractors are putting things together so they they pay a really great homage to the everyday subcontractor and builder.
0: You know, that's great. And those guys just, you know, it's its interesting because, you know, they come on the show, they, they know the challenges. But for me, even with my experience, your experience, there's always something I get out of that show every time I watch it going, oh, that's interesting. We don't do it that way out here or whatever it is. Yeah. And that's the fun part with that yeah it
1: is it's and it's nice and those guys because they do all of those things and you know you and i have both worked with with guys like kevin ireton so Mm -hmm. you know kevin being the editor of fine home building for decades They get to interview so many people, so they have just this amazing encyclopedia just full (laughs) of interesting tricks that we don't get to see when we're kind of ingrained in our own local color, you know? So that's one of the awesome parts about them touring around the country and just really trying to pay a great light on um, what's happening out there and what people are going through because we don't all do it the same way, but we're not all dealing with the same environment. You know, we're, we're building habitat for human beings but it's in different environments,
0: so. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, Kevin, jeez, what a, just a wealth of knowledge, and that's one of the things looking back, and I'm not really doing the stage much anymore just because this media thing's kind of been keeping me 100%, but uh, man, some of the stuff I learned by just watching and listening to everybody from their different perspectives, you know, with all the different people, whether it's you, whether it's Walt, whether it's Kevin, you know, that whole group, and many more. Um, just such a great brain trust. And it's so fun, like you mentioned, because something that you do up there in, in Saratoga, New York, and something I do in Portland, Oregon, maybe we have the general idea, it's but so many times it's done a different way just because of climate, construction or even materials that we're using that are different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Things that we're just accustomed to, you know, like you know, is it a jack or a trimmer? Great question. Right? <laughs> like what, other, what are we putting in there? You know, is a worm drive or direct drive? You know, like these, there's certain things, guys. Just you move around the country, and that's just a staple thing. You know, it's it's like PBR, or Budweiser, or something. People you know, just have what they're used to, and that's the thing where you are, and everybody's just accustomed to it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that people aren't doing something that's super similar or using slightly different vernacular for what it is. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, we're, we're not really reinventing much, you know, building's been happening for so long. We're just trying to come up with creative ways to do it and kind of do it economically for people. Um, and that's, that's really what's important, I guess. Right.
0: Yeah. And you know, climate's part of it too. I mean, like you were talking about, I mean, for instance, my neighbor's got a, a- a big water line leak right now in front of his house. It's running down my driveway. They're going to be digging that up here soon. But I got to put it at eighteen inches underground here because of our climate. Yeah, wouldn't be doing that up in your area. No, I mean if you can see behind me here, yeah, um, I, I see some white out there.
1: You know, we <laughs> we got snow already, and it's it's sticking. It's not melting. Um, But you know where I am, it's kind of funny because um, a, a short commute away, I, I drive like eight nine minutes down the mountain. And there's no snow. So yeah, that's kind of the funny part about where we are. You know, not too much different from where you are in Portland, right?
0: You, you drive up yeah. the mountain, snow,
1: driving to Portland, yep. you're in the Bay and things are different.
0: Exactly. And all of a sudden I'm out at the coast, uh, you know, where it rarely freezes out there. So yeah. same kind of thing. Same kind of thing. What did you learn? I mean, what was the challenges of the, this whole house? I mean, it's all, I mean, what a great group of people and you had all the filming, but you're still building a, a massive remodel on a house with an addition and everything else. What are the challenges of outs? I mean, you have challenges doing that on a normal day, just from it's remodeling, right? Yeah. Now you're going to throw a, a very experienced film crew on it and uh, the way they have to do it because TV schedules, man, they're a dog. Yeah. It makes stuff really tough. And I mean, to boot
1: where, in COVID, so yeah. I mean, like you deal with supply chain issues, and you almost, you know, you, you make a great schedule, you know, and you try to fluff a whole lot of incidental room in there, and then by the time you've revisited it like the fourth time, you're like, <laughs> why, why, why do I waste time doing this? Yeah. I don't know. um So it's been interesting the last couple of years for that reason. You never know what's going to come up missing. Um, mm-hmm. You never know what part's going to come. You never know if you're going to wait. You know. 18 weeks to get something and it comes and looks like Ace Ventura delivered it and just <laughs> trucked it down the street. It's, uh, it's bad sometimes. So we yeah. try to stay out in front of things. Um, I did read something kind of funny recently by the architect who designed that house mm-hmm. where he talks about the Saratoga area. And it's one of the oldest inhabited um, cities in the U S anyways. I mean, because it's on that, um, Hudson River chain. Mm-hmm. So when we think about like early development of the U.S. and the Hudson River being part of that um, trade route, you know, we're predating um, French and Indian War, all that stuff. But he yeah. says, you know, we got some really beautiful houses and that trim was really well thought of. Mm-hmm. And nobody thought about the framing. <laughs> like, like they just kind of pieced it together. And um, I spent the beginning of my career as a framer, you know, all we did was high end luxury homes. And I really had a great knack for it and I loved it. Uh, but then at the end of the day, you know, I take apart some of these old houses. And what's funny is I uh, always hear people say they don't build them like they used to, you know, and I, I say thank God. <laughs> you know, thank God, right? <laughs> you know, we'd, we'd all be sitting in a pile of rubble with the new <laughs> style of construction. You know, somebody throw a, a, a granite. Countertop on an island in our, some of these houses, and <laughs> where to <it> go? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, we'd have
0: the you know the the scene from the Money
1: Pit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know stuff like that. You know? Yeah,
0: it's funny. I, I get into so many arguments on social media sometimes, <laughs> and some of like the old house groups and stuff. because pe- people are like, oh, they sure don't build them like they used to, and I'm like, you know, like you are. It's like you know, yeah, they had some wonderful building materials, and they. They dealt with what they had, but there was no engineer involved in the process. Many times there were not drawings. There was not a load calculation. If they got the concrete right, they got it good.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, here we don't. Yeah, we don't even have a lot of concrete here. So a lot of stacked stone foundations and going, you know, four, five, six, eight feet into the ground. And you never know the soil content you're dealing with. That was one of the fun issues of that house. We assumed that there was more foundation under it, and we started excavating, and they just tapered the foundation from like six feet to nothing over twenty feet. So when we started <laughs> peeling it back to figure out where our footing base was, we realized there wasn't one. Yeah, it was, it was like four inches in the ground. So oh. and it was holding up the whole back of the house. Um, so that's some of the funny stuff about that. I mean, did those houses last? Yes. Did they move around a lot? Yes. Would you want to yeah. put tile on the floor of like the, the back entryway? No, absolutely <laughs> not. You know, you, you would start with a normal format of tile and end up with mosaics in a few years. So, <laughs>
0: exactly. Um,
1: that's, exactly. That's it, you know, and, and the guys yeah. did have great material. You know, they, they had old, growth material. The lumber was abundant. It was all locally sourced. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's an amazing thing. And you had more craftsmen. So you had a a huge, huge amount of labor force to pick from uh, people that did the work and knew how to work with their hands. And most homeowners knew how to work with their hands. And that's, you know, very different from right now. So, yeah.
0: It's funny, my little lake neighborhood that I'm in here, we had a, uh, it was the first, one of the first big iron mills here uh, where they would create iron for the railroad, for the railroad coming out west. And this lake was a vacation lake for the people of Portland. And so all of the, the homes that were built back prior to 1940 were lake homes traditionally. So they were just that cabin-esque thing. Had no intention of really heating that thing. It was a summer home. And uh, much like some of the older stuff of, you know, 100 or 200 or plus years before, same plan of there was no intention of today's technology to go into that. And remodeling comes up that same way where it was built on piers and, and things like that. It was just meant to be a cabin.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of how Saratoga was built, because originally it was a close destination from New York City, from Boston. You know, you're a couple hours in both directions. So you look at, um, you know, the Connecticut area, uh, Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, um, you know, Pittsburgh, where you had a lot of uh, industry with the steel. Um, People came up here because it was a carriage ride. It was a railroad ride that in a few hours you could be at that resort town where there's horse racing, but they were all homes that people spent the summer in. So, it was yeah. only a small community of people that lived here year round. So, we have a lot of these really big estate style homes that people came up with maybe their race horses or they came up to just enjoy that summer life, get out of a little bit of the city grind and the heat and enjoy uh, a different climate and the cleaner water. And uh, they didn't do that, they didn't put heat in. And then, you know, we get into that heating era. And people just took already modest framing and <laughs> hacked it apart to, you know, put the coal furnace in and everything yep. else. And, and boy, I'll tell you, when you peel some of the lath and plaster back, you, you're you a little nervous because uh, you, you've realized that the lath and plaster was probably holding 60% of the <laughs> Um
0: Well, again, a hundred years ago, the plumber got in there and just started hacking stuff yeah. up too. So when they threw plumbing in or whatever, it was just kind of what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I think people were so
1: excited to just have indoor plumbing. It was like, yeah, this is great. You know, big deal. We'll cut this joist apart. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting.
0: That's awesome. I mean, it's funny. What was the, I gotta ask you, what were some of the challenges you had outside of the stuff? Were there anything that you were like, Oh man, this is tough with TV. Was there anything that threw into your schedule, the TV thing? Did you have to delay stuff for shooting? And I assume you had to have a little bit of that give and tape. So
1: those guys are great. I mean, uh, we did have to, you know, walk away from a couple ideas that we all had for what was going to be filmed and it had to do with yep. schedule. So could we put the right people up there at the right time? Could their people come in? Um, how did it work with the schedule? Did we have the right materials in? Um, but ultimately, um, they're very accommodating. They're trying to work with cool. our schedule. Um, and and really put people on the site that are going to be in the best interest of that time and place. So if we have a really interesting thing coming up with the HVAC or electrical, they want to put the right people up there so that the Q&A and the interview process really sounds correct uh, nice. over television. So um, not any real big hurdles with that. It is uh, it's TV, so it's a little bit slower going to do. Um, second shoots and retakes and close-ups and things like that to make sure that sure. the audience gets good view of things and there's there's that behind the scenes stuff that people just don't understand maybe if they've never seen it done or haven't participated in it in some way um, but other than that uh, the, the guys are, are always there to be respectful and I think that's what's great about the This Old House crew as these are primarily i would say 99 percent of the people on staff have either spent long enough on construction sites and even if it's the av guys or whatever they know what's happening so they understand and appreciate the effort of work that goes into getting them on site and they'll almost jump through hoops to really accommodate and make it move as smooth as they can um you know helping out with stuff you know they're they're even they're not just there to film, do their job and wander off. Like if they're on site on location, they're actually helping out with things. You know, Tom That's Silva. Awesome. Oh man, he's every he's everything I hoped Tom silver would <laughs> be. Right? <laughs> he's just he's such a nice guy. He really is so oh. genuine. Everything you see of him on on television, on uh Instagram, just everything. He's he's such a genuine nice kind person. And loves his job. He loves his work. He loves the jumping and yeah. help people out. He loves, he, he just loves carpentry. He loves building.
0: But they're all that way. I mean, I remember running into Richard at the uh, Vegas a couple of years ago and I had just met with him a few months before when I was back at the, uh, at the, well, at NRLA that year. And I'd gone over to their 40th anniversary party. So it was that next um, IBS Kitchen to bath show and I'm walking down, heading back to our stage and I hear Eric, I look over and he yelled to say hi. And I, I was like an eight-year-old little girl that just saw my favorite, you know, TV star. I was like, oh, he knew who I was. Yeah. As stupid as that is, it was still that, you know, yeah. that legend was saying hi. And that to me was just cool. It's, its even though we're all doing what we do, you know, I think everybody, I can speak for most of the trades, the respect for they have for that entire organization is is there and well deserved.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean they're they're kind of the godfathers of that industry, right? So I mean it's hard not to look at them with that level of respect, you know? It's Yeah. They've really paved the way for the educational aspect of it, which is it is really needed and you know, you and I have both worked in that genre of, of education and, mm-hmm. you know, it's important. We realize how important it is. It's something that you do day in and day out is, is trying to bring that education to people, whether they're tradesmen or homeowners. And, um, and it's important, especially when we're, we live in a time and place where there's not people really working in that apprenticeship role, like under their father. You know, there's stuff, right? you don't really have like, you know, two career choices, what my dad does or what my uncle does, you know, <laughs> right? um, you know it's, it's, it's different. So yeah. it's, it's harder and, and there's not as many people that are sticking their hands in things. And it's been that way for a lot of years. And I'm seeing, I mean, I think we all see this really great movement where more people want to learn about the trades, especially homeowners want to learn how to work on things. I find more homeowners that I work for that would like, if I break them off a small section of the house and like teach them how to do something, that was another fun part with the, this old house project, like the homeowners wanted to be involved. So um, the owner's mother was there. She wanted to be involved. She's lived in the house her whole life. He wanted to be involved and and they wanted to learn. So I teach them things and because of that desire, they would figure it out. They'd stick their hands in the dough. They'd give it a try and, uh, and it worked out. They saved a lot of money doing it too.
0: Yeah. And they had the best teachers in in the planet there to, to help walk them through it too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, know. is a great thing, you know, so beyond that being a legacy home for them, you know, they have a whole nother thing now, which is, you know, it was televised and everything was kind of put under the microscope by high grade professionals and that's yeah. a really great thing for them, too. It's an amazing opportunity, I'd say, all the way around. My staff as well. So everybody really enjoyed being able to work with them. The subcontractors, my in-house staff, and yeah. they were just, I mean, top shelf. They were so kind to everybody and so respect, uh, respectful of all the people that were there. It was, it was great.
0: Yeah, and I normally say man, I had to make you nervous, but I know you've been doing top shelf stuff for a long time. You've you've got decades under your belt, but uh I'm sure there had to have been a little bit of a gulp here we go when they first were getting ready to roll in.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh I didn't know I didn't know how it was going to go, you know. And you, <laughs> you see these guys and you you hear their reputation and you know we had a few meetings beforehand and you you know quickly in conversation with people you know, if they, if they know their business, right. Cause if yeah. you know yours, you you know, they're speaking the same language. Um, and I, I knew what I was in for, you know? So oh yeah, when we first started filming, the- I, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, I was on eggshells, man. I was really nervous. dude. Yeah. I would
0: have been too, man. And, and I do a lot of TV stuff, you know, when that camera light comes on and you're standing there with all the years of TV experience I have, I'd have gone, yeah. <laughs> all right, here we go. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, it was it was funny, but it they're all they're also great like that in um, a comforting sense where they make you feel really comfortable around them. Just the the dialect and the dynamic of how they jump in and help out, and then it's such an easy thing when somebody's carrying wood next to you, when somebody's nailing boards next to you. There's just a camaraderie, man. It's it's yeah. being in the trenches with another guy. It's just it's easy to warm up to somebody quickly that way. So yeah, we were forced. And you know they have
0: the, They they had your best interest in mind the whole time. Anyway, so you know th- this isn't some weird gotcha thing. It's you know you had a good partner there. So you know you were you were in a good spot
1: yeah yeah it's it's amazing I mean that's cool Kevin too the host I mean he I love him he, he's, he's really great. great smart as a whip he loves the business <laughs> I mean loves the building science end of things we had some great conversations about you know technique and why we do what we do where we've kind of stolen some of our ideas from where we've come up with a few of our own and it's it's really just cool to see you know the dynamics come together that way mm-hmm. um, and we're just I mean, taken back by the whole process really. Cause it was, yeah, it was a beautiful thing. I mean,
0: yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's jump over and talk about your Lowe's pro stuff that you did because that building science series, that was solid. And you know, something I, uh, here's my bitch about YouTube out there. There's a hundred ways to see how a project's done on YouTube and about 90% of them are wrong in some aspect. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah,
1: you're right. So that's been a tough thing for us. Like my, my business partner, my brother and I have been trying really hard to develop a catalog actually of good YouTube videos to hand off to our employees so that they can watch things that we know are good. You know, yeah. Um, that's, yeah, it's tough because you get a lot of guys that just because they, they have a credit card and they can make it to the box store and swipe that thing. I mean, there's no license needed to go buy tools, and I laugh every day about it. I'm like, some of this stuff is really dangerous. Oh. And the hoops you got to jump through to buy other things. I mean, you got to get licensed to drive a car. You got to get licensed to own a gun. <laughs> but you can walk in a home improvement center store and just buy anything. You know, they don't care if you're going to cut all your fingers off or what's going to happen to no. I mean, yeah, you know, let's see if you
0: can figure out how to use a table saw. That would be interesting. <laughs> but uh, but but even even at that, you can walk into a home improvement store, and I'll throw Home Depot, Lowe's under the bus on this, and and they're good people. But there are things in that store in there that don't meet building code
1: no you're, you're right um, I, you know, I mean it's just what it is you oh, know yeah i always laugh about duct tape right i mean you go <laughs> the duct tape in the duct dial and you're like this is the worst thing you should possibly put here." like anybody who puts duct tape
0: on their ductwork is just you know they're they're yeah. trying to have a problem later on so yeah you know it's it's oh cool um yeah, I don't need that recirculating vent hood, even though that's not building code in my area. And you got 30 of them on the shelf, but you know, those <laughs> yeah. kind of things. And it's like, yeah, come on, come on. But, but that's the problem if you don't know any better. And that's where I liked what, what Lowe should have done a lot more of those. I think, I think they were onto something good there because you're right. Uh, it's just so much that can be said out there. I mean, I was on, a, a geez, probably four or five months ago on social media, I think it was on Facebook. And there was a dude on there building a high-end steam shower for himself, and he's one of the—I'm going to use social media influencers as a uh, as a uh, air quote here that nobody can yeah. see—but he built it out of green board and then tiled oh, over the top no. of it. And I'm like, dude, oh, oh, this God. is a steam shower, yeah. and I don't care if you're putting um, a membrane over the top of it; yeah. it's still drywall.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's it's just i mean when you know how long it's gonna last it's hard and oh goodness for me um i really <laughs> keep the sustainability aspect in mind that's always in the forefront of my mind and yeah how long i can make something last for is so important to me um being in the building industry for a long time and my son now who's coming up on 12 he's you know telling me every day i want to be an engineer i want to be an engineer and we have those conversations a lot about what's important as an engineer and i tell them you know there's there's engineers we work with that i mean they they really love to over engineer things and i'm like that's the opposite of what you should be doing so I'm like <laughs> exactly <laughs> about making something last longer with less parts like that's yeah. good engineering and when we see stuff like that go together where yeah can you do it yeah as a lot of the country do stuff like that yeah is it good yeah. for 10 years? Yeah. Why would you want to put that level of work into something that's going to just start falling apart where it yeah. should be in the infant stage of its life, right? Like you should be able yeah. to build something like that and say, no, steam showers inherently are going to be a difficult thing to put in your house anyways, right? Like sure, you're not the YMCA locker room here. Like this exactly. is going to be tough, <laughs> you know? So you really have to go through some serious provisions and considerations. But with, with minor tweaks to the material, Uh, you know, you can make something that could have lasted six, seven, eight
0: years and turn into something that could last 25, 30 years. Yeah. And like mine, for instance, I did a steam shower in my house. When I did mine, I did the, the, uh, the weedy vapor proof system behind it. And then I put large format slab porcelain over the top of it. Awesome you know, it's not going anywhere. And if any moisture made it through a a caulked seam, then guess what? I got a whole system back there that's not going to let any steam through it, but that's the process like you doing. I mean, you're the, such an expert in building science. It's the same kind of stuff. You got to have those provisions for what happens when it doesn't stop the first way in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we, and we don't live in a very forgiving climate. Um, That's what's tough here. I mean, being on that northern eastern seaboard, um, hot, hot, humid summers, and then really cold, damp winters. So um, that makes it tricky. You know, we really don't get a dry spell. We don't get that forgiveness of, you know, that Pacific climate or the desert climate, like yep. it's humid and it's funky. And then we got to deal with the freeze on top of that. So yeah. you, know, you go into the southern part of the country and say, all right, great, it's hot and it's humid. And then it's, you know, not so bad in the winter, but, you know, we deal with the freeze up. So if you absorb all that humidity... And then we go into the freeze up like you wouldn't believe it sounds like sometimes guns going off in some of the houses I've been in because when oh, yeah. we have that heavy freeze and that moisture starts to crack and move through wood. It's a crazy sound, you know, And that when the boards start to check and break open and move.
0: Yeah, it's like splitting lumber up there. We don't get that. You know, I mean, yeah. we have our rainy season, which is that, you know, October, November through June. And then we don't get rain for six months. So we get that dry heat in the summertime. You know, you've been out here, it dries out really nice. And mm-hmm. then the wet comes in. So we don't get that. You guys out there, that's where the problems are, is that humidity to freezing thing where it's almost like, all right, we're going from Georgia Georgia. To North Dakota.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I think about steam showers here and we built quite a few of them and I'm, I'm just as worried about how they're attacked from the backside from any gap or crack or break from, you know, any of my index or control layers, letting humidity in behind it and then that is stopping that vapor transfer. And then I got to build up on the backside. Another reason I would never touch green board for that reason. Yeah, exactly. I know in like eight years I'd rip it apart and it would look like a fungus dish and it'd be full of black oh, mold. And you know,
0: I'd have a even, bag type yeah. going out of it. No kidding. I mean, even on mine, even though that I had that whole weedy system in there, I still put rock wall on the back of it. Yeah. Yeah. Green just sports. because I, just, being careful and it's an interior wall. So I just, you know, it's like, all right, I'm going to throw it in here. It's just cheap insurance, but Mm -hmm. it's that same kind of thing. And, and, you know, now you're in this remodeling business out there and you've been doing this for a while, the new construction remodeling, but uh, you know, building science just keeps getting, it's, it's not that the science changes, but we keep learning more and more. And you know, what was just a simple house wrap years ago is now gotten into a whole new level of stuff. You know, yeah. when you're putting in windows and doors and siding and, and weather resistant barriers and all the rest of the stuff out there. Yeah. Compatible products. I
1: mean, we got six, seven different types of tapes out, you know, different, different basis of how those things are made between like acrylics and, um, you know, butyl bases. I mean, these things don't stick together. It's you think about how many different types of caulkings we have, right? Oh. I mean, <laughs> you get latexes and elastomerics and silicones and hybrids. And yep. I mean, the, the piles of goop you can just go buy off a shelf and then to find out later it's not compatible with what you stuck it to or that it's, you know, eating a hole through another product that you right. stuck <laughs> on top of it. You, you need a chemistry degree almost to be dealing with the stuff. And at the very least you got to do a lot of due diligence and reading to stay on top of it. And it's, it's tough, you know, it is really God. hard to be um, a novice user of these products and get it right. You know, so my hats go, my hat goes off to anybody who's a, a weekend warrior that's making it work because it's, it's not an easy task. You know, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. Sixty plus hours a week, and I'm still yeah. beating my head against the wall trying to figure out how to make some things happen. So don't get yeah, especially if you're listening to yeah. this and you're a homeowner that's like, I don't get it. Like some of the yeah. smartest people I know don't get it.
0: It's tough, and my recommendation always to the DIYer is is try to stick into a system and go with it. Yes, you know whether it's whether it's Zip or whether it's pont or whatever you're using out there, you know throw out a dozen other brands on top of that, but whatever you're using, stick with that system and follow the directions, at least on your project, know it because where The problems occur is when you go, Oh man, they were out of this tape and I got this other tape. Yeah, or oh geez, here we go.
1: They're the grocery store mom mentality where they're like, You're eating and they're like, Oh, this one's 75 feet and that one's 70 feet and this one's 45 cents less. So
0: I get an extra five feet for less than 30 cents. They're like, Oh, please stop, they don't go together. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's like putting people They're all. I always think of them as like languages, right? It's like, okay, I'm trying to put the German and the French people talking to each other over here. That <laughs> yeah. just doesn't work good. You know, it just doesn't work good. So you got to keep that stuff going in. But uh, yeah, I mean, circling back though, those, you know, the stuff that was so good on there, the your flashing that you did with my buddy, Ty, the how to install window stuff. I think those are a great resource for our DIYers out there because, you know, it's a, you guys had to do a lot of vetting. And, you know, I was there for that one day a shoot in Seattle to watch where, you know, you guys had to keep it honest to what was on the shelf at the store. Mm-hmm. And that was before we ran into our, you know, our problems that we had with COVID and our, in our distribution issues that we had of getting materials in. Even then it was like, okay, what's on the shelf here. And how do we make this look national?
1: Yeah. Yeah that's always tough because um right now with the internet you think about you know all you got to do is, is google something do a series search whatever uh works for you but i mean the world's your oyster that doesn't necessarily mean it works for where you are um that's been some of the tough things that i've done with a few of the builds uh, the first year i did the lab house it was all about can i buy this from a lumberyard right now and that's what i wanted to do with that was yeah. Can I make a high performance build off of something I can get today that's off the shelf? And can I tweak the products rather than importing things? Because importing specialized things, I can get stuff from Japan, from Germany. They're awesome at putting those things together in a high end sense. But, I, you know, I don't want that. I want to be able to do something that I can explain to builders who are trying to do this in a nine to five or maybe build and houses. Like, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, make minor upgrades. And you can really do a lot for a community with minor upgrades of what you can still get your hands on, on the shelf every single day. So, you know, thanks for noticing that because that, that's a hard thing to do is just to find the stuff that's available and do your best with it. But that's like what we said about engineering. You know, it's, it's not about over-engineering something. It's about doing the best you can with the least amount of stuff. So can I get it today? Is it available? What's the lead time on
0: it? Because um, I, th- I think that means a lot. Yeah. Well, it's funny. With, I love building stuff and kind of over over engineering it when I'm building my own stuff. But sometimes that's not good, especially when you're coming in and throwing a bunch of lumber in an exterior wall. That's less efficient because now you've got that thermal mass there of, of that's not insulation in there. And that wood loves to transfer heat and cool through it. So that's, that's not your friend outside of the structure side of it.
1: Yeah, you know, God forbid you're in the commercial realm and everything's steel, right? So now you're, you know, bulk steel, steel studs. You know, you think about a lot of the um, South American countries, everybody's building out of of metal studs. Um, You know, metal's a great conductor. So, you know, it has no problem transferring temperature back and forth. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's, you know, like Joe Stubrick says, it's why we don't make uh, electrical wires out of wood. You know, it's, it doesn't really make sense. You know, fair so, point. Yeah, I mean, metal's a great conductor, and it's going to do that whether we like it or not. So, um, yeah, that's why we cook in metal pans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, transfer the heat, widen it out. You know, give it a good range and let it hold on to it. But yeah, it's it, it's tough, Eric. It's re- it is it is hard to find stuff at a store. It's hard to find um, things that work well together. But I, I'm. Man, I'm a a big, big advocate of telling people stay in a system, just like you said, you know, don't let the chemists, the engineers, all the people that that worked on that, because believe me, if you do any level of R&D ever for any group, you'll find out how many people are involved in making sure that these product selections of saying things are compatible uh, a lot of research is done. I mean, sometimes a decade worth of research before they say, yeah, we're going to use this tape instead of that tape. Um, it's a, it's a lot. You know, it takes yeah. a lot for these companies to put a good product out on the shelf and feel great about it. Um yeah, and I think it's you know, important to trust that because you also have the warranty backing when you do it. You know, so that's the huge part. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and I found in my experience, both doing um, you know forensic inspections and home inspections, as well as being a builder, when I have to write reports out in the sense of a warranty failure, I have never seen a company balk at it. Every single time, yeah. if they if if something was wrong, even a percentile wrong with with their product, they step up and own it. Um, it's mm-hmm. not like fighting an insurance company to try to get $8 <laughs> of the you know 80,000 you just paid them. They want yep. their customers to be happy and they want to stand by their product. They want to put that information back into a good think tank and feedback loop and make their product better. Uh, it's important to them. I haven't run across yep. one company yet that hasn't stood by their warranty and treated it well.
0: And that's awesome. I mean, and there's so many products out there too. And one of the things that I've learned traveling around the country is that some products are in some areas and some other products just aren't there. I mean, great example. If I'm out on the East Coast, I see a fair amount of zip. I see green and red around. Pacific Northwest, fairly rare, even though we need it badly in those winter months for framing here. And you and I have talked about this in the past, but, you know, with our rainy season, we get out here, I'll drive by some mixed use Building That's six stories of framed lumber. and By the time they're putting the roof trusses on it, the the lower two floors of OSB are black, Ah, you know, and then two weeks later, they're throwing house wrap around it and going and I'm like, man, there is a better material for this. But it's just not really that seen in our area yet, even though it's here. Not a lot of people have embraced it yet. And you see that, you know, around the country where that would have been really smart to have in those buildings, but now they're going to have a litmus test of serious other issues there of, of, uh, indoor air quality issues and stuff, just because they've wrapped all that nasty mold mildew inside the building. Yeah, that's
1: hard. I mean, you know how fast some of these developers are trying to build a house. So they're, they're not exactly getting in there and saying, all right, let's let the place go stagnant for a while post MEPs and running dehumidifiers and really trying to suck the moisture out of it. So yeah. You know, you, you think about it like having that last little bit of moisture in a Ziploc bag or something and, you know, it's going to hang out in there. It's got nowhere to go. So you seal up both sides of the wall and, you know, you, you create, you know, warm, warm, dark and damp. That's the breeding ground for mold. You know, that's, that's what you yeah. need.
0: So it was funny. I had a job site that I was working at. I was going out to measure. It was a, I mean, these were million dollar homes in 15 years ago in Seattle and they were building these you know, developments with these nice high end, you know, 4,000 square foot homes in them. And I go walking in to see how far it is before I can measure for cabinets. Framing's going. I walk in the front entry door. Door's not in. It's framed. There's sheathing on there. They're doing the interior framing wrap up. Coming off the second floor balcony, it's raining so hard outside. It's a water feature. I can't walk through it. It's a four foot wide sheet of water over the doorway. Just coming out. Because of the, they hadn't cut any of the, the bottom plates out. There was two inches of water down, you know, inch and a half of water sitting on the floor. There's air compressors. There's the guys in there framing. There's a guy out there at the pole, out there at the temp, hitting the GFCI. He'll go, power, <laughs> click. And I walk in and I'm standing in water and I hear the guy go, power, and he hit the reset. And I'm like, I am out of here. This Someone's going to die. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man! But, what an amazing experiment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, just, uh, it I was just like Darwinism awards. You know, you know, yeah. <laughs>
0: National Lampoon's movie, right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But at the same point, you know, they put roofing and siding on that thing, and I and I can promise you, there wasn't a dehumidifier that ever entered that house. Uh, I guarantee. I mean, I've I've unfortunately had to write some
1: litigation reports on class action suits and developments before from bad flashing details. And, um, you know, when you got the same subs doing the same job over and over and over, believe me when I tell you that if they did it to one house, they probably did it to all of them. So, you know, we were doing an inspection one day and somebody saw what I was doing in the house and every, you know, buddy out walking their dog, jogging with their kid, everything wanted to know what the heck we were doing. And I was going around, I was hitting the side of the house, as a vinyl vinyl house, you know, standard OSB, okay. um, you know, commodity-based home wrap around the outside yeah. of it. And I'm walking around with the blunt end of the screwdriver and just tapping the house because you can hear when the, when the OSB has gone dead. I mean, it's like the difference of hitting a snare drum and the bass drum, right? So it snaps, snaps, snap, boom, boom, and just nothing's there. You're like, all right, (laughs) um, that that would. So you know, we're gonna start peeling some of the vinyl off and seeing what's happening, but. You know you know where to look for those spots anyways. It's always the roof-to-wall connections. It's the porch-to-wall mm-hmm. connections. Like, those are the spots that somebody gets the flashing job wrong. You know, they tuck the metal flashing behind, over, under, rip, tore something, didn't rubberize it, didn't nail it, didn't tape it. And, yep. and it's always that, you know, we got three, four different subs working and nobody's supervising it um, well enough or, you know – I usually find most of the time these guys it's just ignorance. They're not stupid. Yeah. They know it's not that they don't care. It's just, nobody took the time to explain it to them. So they were showing something they think it's right. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to keep producing it because nobody's got them in the feedback loop to tell them it's wrong. Um, yeah. So it's like of houses that way that are just junk.
0: Well, it's like they had all the materials there. They get around, they get all the stuff together. They go to tape it up and nobody grabbed a roller. Yeah. something as stupid simple as nobody grabbing a roller and hitting the pressure sensitive tape with that and they just hand applied it ran their hand over oh, that's good enough and that's where the failures occur
1: yeah all the time minor stuff you know you you think it's good you think it's gonna bite well you think everything's okay and then it's just not but these guys don't see it fail you know and that's that's the other tough part um, not having the subcontractors, not having their employees part of that feedback loop of letting them know where the failures are and involving them. And you also have guys that are just really nomadic about their jobs. Like they're changing careers all the time. They're changing the companies they work for. So how do you involve somebody in a feedback loop that's, you know, had 19 different jobs in 25 years, you know?
0: Yeah. It's funny. Like there's a eight houses up for me. There's a house right now that's they tore it down. It's a couple million dollar house up there and they tore the whole, you know, $700,000 house to put the other one in. And I go walking by and I'm like, wow, guys, uh, would have been cool if you'd have taped the Tyvek seams on that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, you yeah. know, but then I can walk around the corner and there's a guy doing an addition down there and they're putting the new windows in and his flashing and detailing is just from walking on the sidewalk, walking my dog. I'm like, that is beautiful you know so it's there's a big difference out there with with and i know you do the same thing man i know you're driving around and you're sitting at the stop sign of the stoplight looking over going what the heck are they trying to do over there
1: oh we we laugh all the time uh so my interior designer julie Maleski, uh she's uh, we we always laugh because we feel like we're the uh, you know the old armory up Muppets <laughs> like, <all laughs> on the balcony like ah just <laughs> critiquing the heck out of everything because we will go for a drive to go visit a new client and it's like eight houses will pass by that are under construction we're like oh, hey, hey, you can't believe I'm doing that like why you know and she is a designer she sees things different than I do I see things as a builder she sees them as a designer and it's just It's funny, you know. You you can't you can't help once you know better. But that's also one of the pollutants is. I had a younger guy uh, when I was doing the this old house job. So he was next door, and he was he's a painting contractor, and he's starting to dabble a little bit more into general contracting. Really nice guy. I want to say he was from Finland, maybe. Um, Oh, cool! And he's really trying, you know. So he had a lot of we had a lot of dialogue Q's and A's about like, hey, should I do it this way? Should I do it that way? And he's trying to rebuild these people's porch. Um, just, I mean, absolutely funny to me sometimes what happens between somebody who like cares and wants to learn and somebody who's just gonna like try to take their client's money and sort of move to that next stage, right? So, yeah. you know, here's a guy who's really trying to make it work, trying really hard, putting the effort in. Some people don't care. You know, they're not, Yeah, they're not gonna ask anybody, Right. So it takes a yeah. lot of humility to ask, mm-hmm. um, but you know, the, the information resources are out there, but you know, you said earlier in the show, you know,
0: some of them are bad information. So you gotta, yeah. gotta
1: really it. That's,
0: that's the bad part. I mean, our, generally our trades are packed with people that know their stuff. They care But you're right. It's the education side of it. You know, Um, maybe somebody that's been out there doing windows and siding learned how to do house wrap 20 years ago and didn't do one minute of CEU. And what was known back then versus what is known now is two different two different processes. You know, back what you did when you first learned what house wrap was is now wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I learned wrong. I learned
1: the absolute wrong way. And I, I was, I'll tell you right now, when I started wrapping houses in Tyvek, I was the absolute neatest and a perfectionist at putting Tyvek on wrong never <laughs> looked like a present. It
0: a neat, neat job. And it was oh, all yeah. Wrong. <laughs> you know, so. Same. You know, I, I wrapped right. the Tyvek in around the top and around the bottom before yeah. I put the window in. Uh, there was no tape. It was beautiful. I was tucking that thing in like a military bed. Exactly. <laughs> the corners were tight. Every, everything was, you
1: know, wrong fasteners, everything. Everything uh, was wrong. Other than staple, staple, nice staple. The <laughs> yeah. you know, like boy, you know, you could put a bow on the front of it and it probably leaked like a sift, but that's how I was taught to do it. And I was trying hard to make it better than what everybody else was doing, but with just bad information, you know?
0: So, I mean, that was, that was being 20, you know, I just didn't know. Yeah, absolutely. And what's fun now though, is, is every year. And I know you do the same thing. You learn something a little bit new. You know, this is a, this is such an evolving science to this. That's why it's a science. It's building science. It's, it's evolving. It's not stagnant. You know, we're, we're realizing that, Hey, there's a new fix for this. There's a new way to do this. And, you know, 10 years ago, people were rarely doing blower door tests and remodels and things like that. And these are all things that are, are changing so much. And especially when you get into home technology and as you know, ERV systems where you're bringing in air and makeup air. There's a lot of new stuff happening out there. Yeah. Yeah. Smart
1: technology with being able to read that air constantly. I mean, there's some really cool stuff out that uh, Panasonic's been working on with being able to mm-hmm. actually read the air and trigger back to different mechanisms in the house. Yep. Um, you know, that's great. I mean, the, the fact that we're doing that, um, that, that we can test and sense air quality. huge you know voc output's a really big deal and i think with um you know COVID happening people really um getting overly cautious and worried about trying to clean every surface in their house not a lot of people understand that um the voc output that volatile organic compound output from some of these cleaning products are really horrible for your lungs you know and Being in the trades, you know, I I talked to a guy today and he was an amazing mentor of mine. He just had um, his knees done for, I think, the fourth time. He's in his um, early 80s, right? Still in the field working, right? Owns one of the most successful companies in our area. Um, Really amazing guy. And I mean, another one of these encyclopedia builders and... Mm -hmm. He, um, you know, he's was thinking about that and he was talking to me about having his knees done. He's like, look, that's, that's what happens. You know, I, I beat on these joints. They're going to need to be redone. But he said, you know what? I'm really happy that my lungs still work and my heart still works. My liver still works. He's like, I've just treated those things well and I've taken care of them. I've had a job where I've been blessed where I'm in outdoor good air a lot. I'm not mm-hmm. stuck inside buildings. I'm not inhaling bad chemicals all the time. And it's been great. So I, you know, I think about that, and I think about these studies that people have done on how long we're indoors and how much time we spend indoors, and it's it's a bulk of our life, you know. If we're at the 78, 84 percentile of just being indoors, you know, yeah, it's it's tough. You're breathing in a lot of bad, stagnant, funky air, and then you add other chemicals that are off-gassing. It's tough. It's yeah, cool. yeah. One of the studies I saw um, recently, I was reading, and just a nerd out on you for a second, if I haven't yeah. already in the show. Uh, they were sitting there found in uh, VOC traces from paint seven mm-hmm. months later after yep. the paint was done. Seven yeah. months. I mean, that's just absolutely amazing to think about some of the tight, energy-efficient houses we're building and then mm-hmm. what's happening right there. You know, to have to go in yeah. and repaint something or, you know, tune something up or you think about people using these, you know, high VOC paints, acrylics and enamels or, mm-hmm. you know, God forbid, it's an aerosol based, you know, urethane or something like. Oh yeah, that's going to be in the air for a long time.
0: It is. We just had uh, Ross Trathurie on here recently, and actually last week, and uh, we were diving into that subject as well with him. But it's one of those things that, and so many people don't realize that you know, not using that. It's so simple. Not using that kitchen vent hood when you're cooking. It's not vented to the outside. You know, maybe putting in that, uh, I'm not going to use a brand here, but that plug-in air freshener that puts all that oil up it's like yeah. you realize you're vaping inside your tight house right that yeah. stuff that's that orange purple green yellow that's vaping inside your house it's just a more diluted way yeah. do you want to be doing that
1: 24 7 yeah yeah bring bring your baby right over there next you know i don't like the small dirty take a hit. And, <laughs> and vape off of the old uh, aerosol funky Sweet. smells there but no, I mean, even simple stuff, right? Like yeah. absolutely simple things. Um, you run in timers on the fans in your bathroom. You know, that's yeah. a, that's a staple item in all of our homes. Mm-hmm. We don't give people an option for it. Uh, yeah. They should be in there letting them know they should keep the door shut to their bathroom because, you know, the CFM on that fan is not designed to vent your whole house. It's designed to vent no. that one room. And if you keep the door yeah. open, I'm now venting your house, not the room. So you know, if you want it to work right, you gotta shut the door. You're gonna paint your nails. You know, this is now a conversation. I got a 14 year old daughter. Shut the bathroom door and turn the fan on. Like I don't want to (laughs) smell your nail polish in the other room. Like that's VOCs you're smelling. Yeah, right. Like (laughs) I don't need it. I don't. I don't. I don't need to get high when you uh, paint your nails. You know, and
0: that's exactly in a tight house. So- well, you know, Brown, Brown Newtone's got a thing out now, too. I don't know if you've caught that. Panasonic's got that great system. Brown has a new system out where you can plug in these sensors into outlets and they're, again, air sensors, but they'll touch Bluetooth into the ERV and it'll talk to the ERV and the vent fans in the bathroom. So if it goes, wow, we need to ventilate, it'll crank it on. Yeah. Automatically, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Panasonic is, is so almost the same system. So, yep. you know,
1: all of our leading uh, fan techs are really realizing that they got to start interfacing this stuff and making it work. Right. And if you can piggyback that information back to an ERV, right. Have the ERV, mm-hmm. maybe your hood. Right over top yep. of the range and the bathroom fans all interfacing with each other. And I say the next step beyond that is really getting something like a ventable skylight. So you look at like V-Lux has a system out yep. where that senses indoor air quality. So that'll crack itself open and let out, you know, it can sense carbon dioxide levels picking up. So you have. You know, Thanksgiving's coming up, right? So, yeah. um, you know, by the time this airs, will probably be after that. So, hey, everybody, yeah. Christmas is coming up. So. Christmas is coming up. <laughs> <Right. yep. laughs> You're going to have a lot of people in your house. You know, the carbon dioxide level is going to get really rich. And some yeah. of these things will now just slowly open to vent that out. And you don't end up with that funky headache later on, you know?
0: Well, yeah, it ain't the turkey folks that's making you sleepy. It's yeah. the 15 people that are emitting carbon dioxide that's yeah. that's dragging you down. And remember, you and I were at that, uh, that high-performance trailer that we had that was that tiny home. And it was so funny because you and I'd be in there in Vegas with that thing and be up on stage, and you could watch the... The, the air quality in that building go bad. And all of a sudden it would automatically turn the and start venting the skylights because yeah, it's like, yeah. even though it's inside, it's trying to be smart and going, Hey, we need better air in here. It's venting to itself, but it <laughs> <Yeah>. was funny. Venting <laughs>
1: back into one, its own building. <laughs> exactly.
0: A- it didn't know any better because it yeah. it's it, it, assuming yeah. it's exterior, not a problem with the product. It was a problem with the air quality exactly. in the building. Cause I knew as soon as I <laughs> saw that thing moving, when we we're up on stage, I'm like, Oh, that's not good
1: yeah yeah. no it was a tight it was a tight building I remember they did the blower door test and uh, they turned it on the thing uh, short circuited basically gave them back an error code just because it, it had decompressed the building in about like, three and a half seconds so the only way they could get the blower to run is to crack one of the windows open so could get circulation um, but it was, it was just that tight of a build and that was the goal yeah. you know make this yeah. building really tight on a off the shelf products and it can be done. You just got to pay attention to the detailing. Um, but yeah, you're a hundred percent right. It's funny. You know, you get, and you, we had tours going through there. So people were walking through there yeah. constantly. And it did get funky. And then God forbid someone <laughs> let one rip in there. because
0: <laughs> He was, it was <laughs> hanging out for a minute. You know? Oh, yeah, that was that was going to linger, shall we say. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, that's good stuff. And you're going to be up here uh, soon at the uh, NRLA speaking, aren't you?
1: Yeah, so I will be Expo. That's in a couple weeks. So I'm going to do some high-performance clinics there and do some uh q a uh you know lumber yards dealers um architects some builders just kind of talking about um performance building you know i like that show because it is a lot of uh lumber dealers that get there mm-hmm. and it's really cool to try to get some face time with them and talk to them about things they should get on their shelf uh to kind of help out all the all the builders and homeowners get better usage of product
0: Cool. Yeah. Tell the guys over at Curtis Lumber, I said, hello. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love those yeah. guys. Yeah. they're Love great. those guys. So Matt, we got to get out to break here, but uh, what's the best way for people to find you, especially if they're in your area and they want to talk to you about doing a project? Uh, so they can check us
1: out on uh, Facebook at Whitbeck Construction. Uh, I think in Instagram, or the same handle. It's uh, Whitbeck Construction there. Um, other than that, look us up on the website, it's uh whip at and, um, uh, you know, all of our contact information's on there. You can find us, uh, give us a, a reach. Our office manager, Stacy's uh really great, be able to help you out with anything or put you in contact with any of the members in our firm that can get you answers.
0: Cool. Cool, brother. And yeah, I just saw your, uh, episodes running on Magnolia network on reruns here this last week. Oh, cool! Yeah, my son so. thinks it's hilarious. We were in the grocery
1: store the other day, and some guy's like, "Hey, I saw you on TV," and he's like, "He doesn't realize that at eleven years old. He kind of gave me a good rip." He's like, "Yeah, Dad, you're uh, you're local famous, huh?"
0: Oh <laughs> snap! <Yeah. laughs> Kids bringing it. Yeah. So I was like, Ouch, oh, kid. <laughs> That was solid that was a, that was a Whitbeck burn right there yeah it was hard having like younger me burn me yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that apple doesn't far, fa- fall far from the tree it seems <laughs> no, no, he got me. That is awesome. Well Matt thanks for taking the time today brother. I know you're super busy and trying to get stuff wrapped up for uh, winter projects but I uh, appreciate you taking the time today. But thanks for having me man always really appreciate it. All right, man. Thanks again. Hey, I'm Eric G. And you've been listening to Around the House. Somewhere unseen and undiscovered Anywhere beyond the mean Life is a love song. Let's be lovers. We're all over the radio. Take my